As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine, and I'm delighted to be joined today by JJ Ball the Bullard. Hello. Hi there. I was going to do something funny there and I didn't do it. No, okay. Well, you did something quite funny. Yeah. You said hello in a funny voice, yeah. with a face, with a funny face. Also joined by Jonathan Dog McKenzie. Hello. Yes, exactly. See, it was funny enough for John to parody it, so that's nice, isn't it? Now, before I introduce our special guest today, can we just point out that you're both wearing matching jumpers? Yes. yes. And would you be able to describe the jumper for the listener, JJ? The jumper is a Christmas version of the France, I believe it's the 1998 top that they wore on winning the tournament themselves in their own country. In their own country, yeah. In the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, soundtracked by Dario G. It's Zidane, Zidane is on, on the, the back. back. Yeah. It's very Christmassy. It's nice. Yeah. We were sent these by um, Classic Football Shirts, right. which is a fun place to go. And our special guest uh, joining us today, delighted that he's here, Mr. Michael Bailey. What are you wearing, Michael? I'm wearing the Mexico version, I'm guessing from a similar year. Oh. I don't really know. I didn't check. I mean, that's 94, isn't it? Is it 94? It's got maybe a kind of 90, I don't know. Aztec Lovely. Father Christmas sewn into it, and yeah. um, it's Aztec made by Santa. Elf Sport. Right, Elf Sport, yeah. Well, they're all uh, thoroughly hideous. Mine's yeah. made by Noel Edmonds. <laughs> <laughs> what that it were, hey? Would that it were. But listen, today there's plenty going on to discuss. Of course, we've just finished watching Brazil uh, beating South Korea. Uh, the earlier game today was Japan and Croatia. That was the first penalties of the tournament, maybe the last. Who knows? We can't possibly know the future. And a couple of other little bits too. We might talk about Ronaldo a bit later. There seems to be a story developing there. And of course, as usual, points are bad. But have you had a good day, Michael Bailey? I've had a lovely day. More mm-hmm. World Cup football. So that's good. Yeah. And lots of uh, goals. And I had a lovely dinner. So What did I you eat for dinner? Um, it was a, it was a sort of a vegetarian vegan burger thing. Oh. Very nice. What did you have for dinner, Joe? I had a, a, a beige pasty with some beige chips. <laughs> yeah. Beige feast. But if you like your, uh, uh enjoyables with the uh, color, then you should visit theathletic.com. <laughs> visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. Theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. Where the journalism is anything but beige. Uh, okay, fine. Now, I will leave you in the warm hands and the cool embrace of Mr. Michael Bailey. born with it maybe it's a chip supper <laughs> maybe it's a chip supper okay brazil four 
One South Korea. Now, this was quite an exciting uh, game with lots and lots of goals. It felt like there at one point, like there, there might be more, uh, JJ. But let me come to you first. Um, are they really good? This is Brazil now. Are they really good because the players are good? Or is the manager doing something interesting? Yes. Right. So the players are individually very, very good, but they're playing in a system which gets the most out of all of them. The one weakness when you look at their squad is probably at fullback, where they maybe don't have the best ones. They're playing Danilo. Uh, in this game they won, they played Danilo at left back and played Edar Militao, who can play at right back, but he's actually more of a third centre back. So that thing that lots of teams do now, where the left back will go forward to be like a wide player and then the centre backs all hook over. So a four becomes a back three with Casemiro anchoring it. It's something they do. And it makes perfect sense. And then they basically got a front five of some of the most exciting and entertaining players you've uh, ever seen on the pitch at the same time that's a bit of hyperbole actually i probably don't mean that sure. it's because they were good today that's why i'm saying that yeah but they are all individually really good um rafinha who is obviously rubbish at leeds is excellent for brazil <laughs> when he plays so <laughs> that really helps but they've got players that suit like vinicius jr has really come on uh, in the last couple of years to be one of the probably yeah. best young talents if not just the best talents in world football absolutely uh, very very good to play and Neymar's back so that helps he's very important to them obviously Neymar's back of course big problem at the last World Cup not so much of a problem oh no two World Cups ago well, yeah. Neymar's back but um, Neymar is now back he in, is, in the other sense yeah and yeah. Uh, his ankle was uh, of a size enough to play football this evening his ankle was back to normal yes and yeah. then they had to like they don't have to get like a power saw to take it <laughs> take off his casts after he plays he's been playing like something like a cast tonight right and he still scored wow yeah so well, good there you go. Else. that's Neymar isn't it now John you uh, uh, love to talk about this and I enjoy to listen to you discuss <laughs> this we've mentioned this a couple of times before on TIFO podcasts and I think we're probably going to do another promo now for your TIFO talks podcast episode with Jamie Hamilton um, but you have written here that um, Brazil uh, perhaps uh, showed a bit of a European tactical approach in this game would you just um, reprise listeners of what that means and then talk about it as it relates to this game yeah so Brazil in this game actually quite structurally similar to what we've seen Arsenal doing a lot this season. We've obviously talked about Arsenal a lot this season because they're doing quite well. Um, but Chiche, the Brazil manager, spent some time in Europe in between Brazil games, uh, learning a little bit about the European game. And you can see that very much in in what he's doing on the pitch. So let's talk about positional football. We, we know, all know about positional play. So this idea that you have these channels that you operate in and the idea being that you are going to um, attack these, these channels between, usually between the, the, the opposition back four, so there's space in between all of them, you will try and get a wide player on either side. You're number nine usually in the middle in between the centre-backs, and then you've got these two channels in the half spaces, as we call them, where you can you can try and attack the space as well. Between the full-backs and the centre-backs. That's yeah. right, yeah. And then the five channels are like wide space, half space, central space, then another wide, half space, then another wide space. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so that's a very common thing for, for you to see, um, European coaches doing anyway but what we've been seeing a lot actually in this in this tournament um, on top of that is uh, we talk a lot about rest defense in 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 with respect to Arsenal this season and we've seen this happening as well so yeah um, JJ is correct in saying that that um, Brazil have have adopted a sort of back three they pushed up the left back in pretty much every game so far um, so they've got the the back three here they've got Casemiro sitting here and yes Danilo is getting forward in certain possession phases but actually when the ball goes into the final third he is inverting here sitting alongside Casemiro and then they've got this unit here that is going to uh, uh, in the centre of the field um, uh, behind this the, the front five that we're talking about um, and they are going to 
um, they're going to make sure that if the ball is turned over by any of these members of the front five, they've got a structure in place that they can they can use to um, actually break up uh, the, the play quite comfortably. So we call this a rest defence because it's these are the attacking players, this is the rest of the players, and they've um, they've gone quite narrow and central in, in order to to break things down. But really interesting idea behind going to a back three because um, South Korea were pressing in a four four two. If you go if you're playing in a with a back four, obviously the two forwards here can press on the the two centre backs like this, and then you've got the the wide players in in that four looking at the full backs. But obviously, if Danilo pushes forward and the back four becomes a back three, you then have three players up against a front two, uh, and then you've got you're starting to ask questions about and and we talked about this like a lot actually yesterday when we were talking about England. How do you start breaking up the opposition structure? So if Danilo is pulling in here, um, the the wide player is is out of position. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neymar can drop into the space that's left behind. We're seeing Vinicius coming a bit more narrow as well. So you all what you're thinking about in those situations is how do we break down the opposition mm. um, structure? And these are all sort of very European uh, European ideas. Can I ask you about well, that specifically? Could, just just before we, uh, this yeah, is yeah. quite important actually. Because because there's a couple of people um, in the chat who've, who've posed good questions, which you can answer, and I'd like to give you the opportunity to do that so mm. that we avoid any misunderstanding. Marcus Vinicius says, uh, lol, these guys think Europe is another world in terms of tactics. And John Quadrino says, does John realise how offensive he is, saying Chiche learned something of the European game? I just want to give you the opportunity to explain what you actually mean by that <laughs> uh, so that we don't confuse people who now think that you're a horrible, horrible racist. <laughs> um, yeah, so in terms of the 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 Europeanization. What what we're usually meaning by that is this concept of of playing expansive football. So having a structure and and being able to exploit opposition um, defenses through using space. Mm. Um, and there's a big debate in the coaching world right now between a sort of positional system. So something like this, where you've got all of these channels and you're you're putting players in each one of these channels and you're trying to get as much. Um, coverage of the pitch as possible mm. and then more relational structures so uh, the idea then being being happy to have players in the same channels and and trying to overload almost in certain areas um, and there is a, a Brazilian coach at the moment called Fernando Denise who who uses a similar approach to this so rather than getting as much coverage of the pitch actually you're going to see all the players sort of coming a little little bit more central and then playing quick one-two passes and stuff and obviously in Brazil they play a lot of futsal um, that's a style of play which which I think we see Brazilian players being very technically adept yeah. um, and and so the idea is that you then uh, bring all of your players close together and then you work your way through blocks by having um, much more compact coverage in those sorts of senses so yeah, um, yeah. it's quite interesting on a broader level though I remember listening to that Jamie Hamilton podcast and hearing you both uh, talk about even just the different approaches to how to thinking about football and about how in the European sense the idea seems to be more to try to impose a structure upon it whereas that's not necessarily the right way to do it. And I think there are clear examples of teams elsewhere in the world um, that play in a slightly different way, where the emphasis comes from somewhere else and they can create, in some cases and in many cases, better football teams for it, as we saw tonight with with Brazil. So I just want to make the point that by you describing this uh, team as playing fairly you know, European style in terms of their tactics, that's it's not a suggestion that that is better or worse. It's just I think there is a yeah, distinction in terms of... Course. Of how and all, play all tactics are European, right? All, in the sense that football started out in Europe and, and spread, and, and obviously a lot of uh, South American football is influenced by that spread of uh, particularly. I mean, mm. anything Jonathan Wilson has written about this, with a lot of Hungarian coaches went across to South America. Mm. Obviously, there's Italian influence in Argentinian football. 
uh, et cetera, et cetera. So um, calling it, I think, European, we are, we're sort of focusing more on the, the fact that it's all about structure uh, and, and coverage rather than um, some of the, the other ways of, of, of playing. But it's, it's, it is worth saying that I have, had, I have heard some Brazilians talk about gaucho football, mm. um, which I think is this idea that, that you are a little bit more um, conservative defensively. Uh, and I think the, there's people who would say that Chiche is doing that that kind of approach as well. So it's it, obviously it's not just a straight up European um, style of football that he's playing. But I do think that when you look at the way that, that Brazil are, are playing in this tournament in particular, it's just very, very elite European teams who are playing the same kind of football mm. um, that, that we're seeing here. And um, yeah, from what we're seeing today, it's clearly working. Mm. And I was going to add on top, on top of that. So the thing John's talking about with the, the back four becoming a back three, because it, it uh, cancels out the front two. I mean, originally the reason teams swapped to using a back three was to deal with teams always playing a two striker system. Mm. So what I think is interesting now about modern tactics is that what you often get is not like, so in the past it was everyone was a four, four, two. And then, you know, after being a pyramid style shape, it's all through history or whatever. So they've been, uh, or Lots of teams four four two. Then suddenly they were maybe three five two or three four three, whatever it was. Uh, and now what you get is lots of teams who have uh, shapes that change automatically depending on where the ball is, where other players is, and they've got all these different systems in one. So the back four becomes a back three in one phase of the play, which was something that happened maybe in the thirties or like the fifties or something like that. Um, another thing you've got is that like this Brazil team plays very much like the old Brazil teams you might think of. Like they used to play a four two four. It was quite a Brazilian way of playing. But they've got the old 4-2-4 with lots of attacking players getting forward really quickly, but combining that now with modern uh, shift to a 3-2-2-3 shape, which is also quite old. <laughs> so that like that shape is now quite modern and used in lots of teams, but it was also something that used to be the case that lots of teams used mm. uh, in the past. But that's an example, I think, of like lots of teams in Europe have, have this because uh, Europe's a big, massive place where lots of people have moved around and lots of ideas have been swapped. And so in the past, you could maybe have said that England was a little bit stuck in that 4-4-2 shape and never really adapted because it is an island and it hasn't really had as many uh, influences itself to then evolve and get better. But now it does. Yeah. It is quite funny when you, like, I think you've mentioned already Jonathan Wilson's book, Inverting the Pyramid. It's quite funny to read about sudden uh, changes, uh, you know, 60 years ago. and the, the Hungarian team that came to play England in, in, in 1963 or 1953, was it, it was one of, one of those two. Uh, where they had Nendo Hidaguti who played in the false nine role and just obliterated England 6-3 or something and no one had ever seen anything like it. Um, and because they literally hadn't seen it before. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't just watch Hungarian TV, uh, Hungarian football on TV in 1953. Uh, you have to wait to play teams. There's all these stories about Liverpool learning from Red Star Belgrade. You know, there's like the, the exchange of ideas in the, in the early days is really, really, is really interesting. And it, and it does mean that, um, you, that different places do develop different styles of football. Again, like the emphasis isn't on which one is better or which one is worse. Mm. The emphasis is on what's the difference between these types of football? What are the traditions? Where do they come from? How do people think about football differently? And what can everybody learn from each other about those different types of football? That's the, but anyway, that's the thing that's really interesting about that. A lot of people in the that. chat saying I'm being quite colonial saying that the football tactics were European, but football spread because of colonialism. That's not to say anything positive or negative about things it's just demonetized and cancelled <laughs> <laughs> no finish your point finish no it, your point. yeah Go on. football spread because of colonialization and and that's 
that's not i'm not saying it's good or bad you're not I, saying I largely you think colonialism love, is bad but yeah. um i i do think that the the spread of of tactics happened in that way because of the way things were in the world i'm also not saying that that chiche is better because he's playing european tactics and there's a lot of people in brazil i believe who would argue that the the that that european influence there is is bad for for brazilian football because it is about structure it is about taking away that creativity and freedom that 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 you get in in a more i suppose like relational systems so. yeah Anyway, I'm cancelled. See you all later. It's, I'm it's a good conversation. That Please, okay. John, though. It took day 16 before we found where the line was, but we found it now. We found it now, even though it seems like the most mild of many I think conversations. we've found the line. It's not gone over it. I don't think we have at all. No, no. I think it's a really I, good I would point. highly encourage people um, who, who, uh, who in the chat who um, have either misunderstood or we haven't explained it very well to go and listen to that Jamie Hamilton podcast. It's really, really interesting. And almost the entire conversation comes from the perspective of how can... Uh, European coaches learn from coaches elsewhere and different types of football. Like I'm just watching John's eyes reading the live chat. Someone close his computer before he explodes. Yeah. Thank you, Michael Bailey. Put, pop your hand over that live chat. Yes. Okay, Why are they fine. booing me? I'm correct. <laughs> <laughs> this is the beginning of a downfall, isn't yeah. it? This is how it happens. I've, I've not seen Someone John turn becomes yet. indignant. Yeah. yeah. Let's just all sit here and watch him for a few moments longer. You've seen him turn or heard him turn on Rocket League, I think, haven't you? When we play video games together, yeah. You got a, you got a little grumpy streak when you I play do. video. You're not you're not displaying I, it now. I do topple over the edge sometimes. Yeah. I also would like to clarify that I think colonialism was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You don't need to. It's fine. No, but the, the Every, people in the chat are so, no, implying that I don't what's, think this. What, what's happening now is is one of the both wonderful and horrible things about the modern world. What's happened is that the, the, the chat, the live chat here, and for people listening to this, we're streaming this live on YouTube, hence the tension in the room, uh, in case we do say something wrong. We can't take it back. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's where the tension comes from. But there's a live chat here of, of about, well, a couple thousand people. Not everyone's typing in there. But they're like, imagine them like sharks yeah they're in the water and there's a little drop of john mckenzie blood has dropped in off the side of the boat and you're hanging your little <laughs> foot off the side there and they're coming for it you know and then every time you explode you give them a little bit more blood that's right michael and then the sharks they circle they come a bit closer and then they go you love colonization <laughs> And you don't. It's fine. Don't worry. We all well, know. Well, this is the last time I bring something interesting up on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, no, this is the downside, isn't it? Now what's going to happen is, is John's only going to talk about things that aren't interesting for yeah. fear that something bad might happen to you. I always thought it'd be me to get cancelled first. So did I. Yeah. Yeah. Not because I'm evil, but just because I'd say something stupid. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's why I haven't opened my mouth yet. It's a marvel Alex Stewart made it through. <laughs> Actually, he doesn't really say anything cancelable. Fine. Right. Uh, let's move on to something more appropriate and less horrible than the stuff that John was just saying. Oh, <laughs> God, it's so disgusting. Uh, okay, fine. Um, hmm. TJ Subs. Let's talk about TJ Subs, uh, JJ Bull. Uh, I can't ask you a question. Do you want to talk about the subs? Uh, yeah, I can't really remember them. I'll throw you a softball Excellent. later. Excellent, thanks. Um, what about those subs? Should he have rested better players, JJ? Uh, well, I mean, I, I want to see them play, so I, I'm glad he didn't. Yeah, well, there's there's two things, right? So you can take your players off and give them rest, which is obviously important because you have lots of games to play. A quarterfinal coming up soon. Which he did in the, what we're saying is he did in the third group game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what you lose by doing that is, is momentum. And it's very important to keep that team together and understand that it's not just a free game where everyone just gets a goal. Although we did put a goalkeeper on <laughs> for Allison to give him a, a shot. So maybe I'm not wrong there. Yeah. But I think keeping the core unit together so they play and keep that familiarity going is really important. And it, there is something that you can't measure about it 
I think I think it's a good idea. And my, it's not about colonization, is it? No, no. Oh, the only, my only thank comparison God. I can do would be like <laughs> Leicester always playing the same starting eleven when they won the league. Something something about that, even though they might be tired, uh, <laughs> uh, makes that work a bit better. I think. Yeah. Okay. Great stuff. Um, and are Brazil going to win the World Cup now, Michael? Cool. Oh, that is a very thanks for the soft real softball for you. I, I have to say, from the from the from the first round of games, I thought there was a real solidity to Brazil because you already know what they can do going forward. So the question tends to be. Are they going to be organised enough to make sure that they're keeping the other end protected? And mm. I think they've they've looked like that in terms of the patience they've shown in their games. They haven't been in a hurry, and then they've just eventually just sort of won the game by the other team sort of bowing in submission to them, uh, which is quite interesting. Then today, because it was such a fast start, they had so much space and there was so much dynamism about them as well. Mm. So, um, yes, I mean France. They are, yes, they are they, going to win. Well, they they are potentially yeah. could win the World Cup. I think they've got a real chance. But probably listen, top eight. They're on the Argentina side, as you can see from my screen here. Well, this We've is got nice. Brazil here coming through. They they will play. Um, uh, Croatia won in the other game. Of course they did. We'll Spoiler play Croatia alert. in the next round, which is a tough game. They'll um, be Croatia. We would expect, you would have thought that the, the Argentina's have beat the Netherlands. We don't know, but like, we could be setting up a, an all South American final. Very exciting. Based on what you've seen of Argentina and Brazil before, and apologies to people from uh, Netherlands and uh, Croatia listening, I'm making a We've <laughs> scrubbed off the European teams. Is that what you're saying? I think it's what everyone outside of ne- Netherlands and uh, Croatia Absolutely. wants, is to see a Brazil-Argentina semi-final. But were we to see it? based on what you have seen already of both teams. So it's a Copper America final rerun kind of in is. the semi-final, yeah. which will be fun. Yeah. And I think Neymar talked about that at the time with Messi, didn't mm-hmm. he? Did I read that right? I don't know. He sort of said, see you in Qatar, I guess. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I, I mean, I, fa- I fancied Argentina quite strongly before the tournament, having not really watched them much. I just mm. assumed, oh, they've been unbeaten a long time. They're good. That was like Let- me, me too. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. I watched them loads and I still thought they were really good. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. I also See? watched them a lot. And you don't even good. need to you watch don't even them watch to football. think the right thing. Well, I've made a career out of that. And, um, but essentially... Then they started playing and looked all over the place really against very passive against Saudi Arabia. But I think they have found their way into the tournament now. I think they're keeping the ball much better. They look like they've sort of got over their initial wobbles. Uh, it would just be a, it'll be a brilliant semi-final. And I think they are probably, it's, I could narrow it down to Brazil, Argentina and France, I think, in terms of mm-hmm. who wins the thing. Because that's the sort of question you asked me at the start. Well, that answers so, the other question I have for Michael Bailey. Has England got a chance against France? Apparently not. Oh, no, no, count. but that's, well, yeah, this is a long way. Do they not support England in Norwich? Yes, very much, 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 much so. I, I, yeah. I was speaking to all my uh, Norwich podcast fellows mm-hmm. And uh, they couldn't believe that I was questioning the fact that England wouldn't win the World Cup. Oh. They were adamant England would win. And I, I no, just have this. Far. I love Gareth Southgate for so much of what he does and what he stands for and mm. who he is. Lovely man. But I just feel that, and this isn't controversial, when it gets to big games against really quality sides who are tactically well managed and coached, He's just that little bit mm. short, which may be wrong and it may be a myth, but that's just my feeling. So do, do you know what he France is? He's like the moment. He's like the one show of football managers, isn't he? You I love I mean the one that? show. What are you trying to say? I, 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 nothing at all. Should we move swiftly on? Michael Bailey <laughs> loves I the one show. The England fans a question. Mm. When you watch a team like Brazil playing like they are tonight, does that make you think that you've maybe overrated England? What, do you want me to speak from behalf of the yeah. on the English on behalf of I, the English people the, the people I know in no, Norwich just on, on, on behalf of you on, on behalf of, of the yourself, English people you're allowed I, to have opinions 
Um, I wonder whether or not, you know... <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't sure that you were after the first 10 minutes. <laughs> Don't podcast, cancel me, John. I'm not going down with you. If you're, look, if I'm going down, you're yeah, coming yeah, with come me. On, I'll go down um, with you. Do you mean to say that we personally... Yeah, when you watch a game like that tonight, do you mm. watch it and think back I, to the game last night and think, oh, actually, we were quite high on England but, after last night, but now watching Brazil, well, maybe think, less high. I, I, don't, I don't think England have gone beyond... Um, to a to significant level, what I would have expected them to, given the quality of opposition they've played. I think when they come up against France, that's a completely different level to anything they've taken on so far mm. in this tournament. And it is a bit of a mix and match because you look at that beating Senegal like that and you okay, well, that's a great performance given they drew with the Dutch. Then obviously the Dutch comfortably beat the USA, who England drew with earlier in the tournament. So I think that's all on a level. I think England are at a similar level as as, as the Netherlands. But I look at France, Brazil, and probably Argentina, and just think they're a notch ahead. But then that's why the quarterfinal is so intriguing, because it's like, will England step up? Because they've been working towards mm. this moment for two other tournaments. I don't feel like I, I've overrated them, but then, uh, you know, I, all I ever do is predict that they'll win 5-0 <laughs> before every game. But yeah. I, I think Brazil, I don't consider Brazil and England to, to be in the same stratosphere in terms of technical footballing ability, not as individual players, but as, as a team. But I also feel like they play in a completely different way. And even if it's not, even if tactically they, they don't, and I wouldn't be the expert to be able to explain that, I feel like they the don't. whole approach, thank you, the whole approach to the game is just different. And also it's tournament football, right? And if the, if we've learned one thing from covering tournament football extensively... England always lose at the end. Is that, uh, the, you know, the result that you expect or you would expect over a longer period of games, maybe in a domestic league uh, uh, calendar competition, you don't always get JJ Ball. Are you asking me a question? No, no, I just said your name at the end of a statement uh, in the hopes that you would pick up and run with it. I just... I, you you know, weren't listening. No. Never mind. Let's move on. I want to ask a question now of you, JJ Bull, about the, the Korean Republic manager. I mean, is there anything possible that that team could have done to either get back into this or to stop it from, from happening? I mean, what kind of options do you have if you are the Korean Republic manager against a team like Brazil? You see the first goal goes in and uh, whilst heads on the pitch don't drop, you do have that sinking feeling like, oh, okay. Definitely. Yeah. Because your whole plan would be to like try and get them to half time or yeah. something. Just don't concede, basically, because you're going to have a chance in the break and you've got players like uh, Hume Min Sun who can do something in the counter-attack. That's, that's what your kind of options are that you're relying on. Uh, conceding early changes that. You'll have different plans in place. So the game plan will include if this happens, you know, if, if A happens, then B happens, if C happens, and D happens. So players know what to do, but you'll try not to con confuse them too much with too much information. The managers will know, the players will know not to concede, they have. So suddenly you've got to change something. But Brazil, where uh, sometimes it doesn't matter how well prepared you are defensively, sometimes the other team just comes at you like hungry tigers. And then they, they're, they're, and they're coming towards them. <laughs> right? And they're going, Rawr. and so <laughs> when they do that, there's not much you can do. You, if you have, if you have, like your hour is very sensual. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like a tiger trying to escape the laws of gravity. Yes, in many did, respects, yeah, yes. through tigers yeah. in space. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And so, the, what he, the one thing he did do, the manager in the second half, was uh, he stopped the fullbacks from going forward for South Korea. So, like uh, the left back and right back were pushing up a lot, and they were leaving loads of space in behind. And in Brazil, we're doing these cross field passes where they were finding long diagonals to a player in the, in the left, who was Vinicius, or they'd find. I think Rafinha was on the right and they're always in the space because the fullbacks were up. So we just stopped doing that, <laughs> just kept them in. But that's a very much, uh, it's a different approach. So 
if you have the fullbacks going forward, you're trying to create yourself passing options going forward so you can try and then create and actually have a go at creating to score a goal because maybe Brazil will let you through. You don't know. It's worth having a go at them. Uh, what they probably should have seen from other games is that that was not going to happen because they're really solid. And also they counter-press really quickly in Brazil. So when you lose the ball, they win it straight back. And so going into this more solid block and trying to be more defensive, it probably worked in the second half because Brazil weren't being Tigers going at them. <laughs> But <laughs> what's wrong with this tiger? It's a bit, seems a bit wonky. <laughs> it's got long legs. Okay. Uh, and so it, there was less momentum anyway from Brazil. So the, ti- the tigers were more sleepy, mm. but they were more awake in the first. Right. They yeah. had eaten all their food. They had more yeah. clothes. They, they had half time uh, food. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, fine. Fine. Well, would you like a fun fact, Michael Bailey? Always. Yes. Okay. This was the last game in Stadium 974. Do you know where they're taking it next? Is it Uruguay? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> actually don't know where it's going. Why Where's have going? I made that? I don't, yeah. Do you know, it, that, that kind of sounds right, doesn't it? Although... They're just taking it down, aren't they? I think they're taking it somewhere else. I think I learned from one of the TIFO videos that they were going to try and... They said they would be building them in Africa or something like that. Yeah, but I, th- I, I, I think Michael Bailey's right. I feel like there's something somewhere they're taking it. It's like it an to. expo or something. Are they taking it, taking it apart and putting it back Something's together Something's happening. I'm kind of hoping they were taking it down during the second half. Mm. You know, just well, like, from yeah. the top bottom. Yeah, like we were yes. saying earlier, it was a bit like closing time at pub. So no one's in the pub and there's 15 minutes left. You just start putting the chairs You up. start taking the stadium down, yeah. So basically that's what they were doing. Yeah. Okay, very interesting. Very Well, there we go. That was a fun fact, wasn't it? Now let's have a break recuperate and when we come back we will discuss all of the other one football game looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yes! Recuperated? Feeling strong and fresh? Happy, Michael Bailey? Aces to like 10 out of 10. He's always happy. And uh, <laughs> Japan won. Won. 3-1 Croatia. Yes, that of course refers to the fact that there were penalties in this game. And... Um, <sighs> I think we should maybe start with the penalties, John McKenzie, because um, they were not the best penalties. No, they weren't very good at all. Mm. Uh, I think it all kicked off with Minamino missing the first penalty and that just put a huge amount of pressure on Japan. And I think that probably played into the poor performance that they had. Although I did see John Harrison, who is a goalkeeper expert online, he has a model for penalties. And he just, he worked out that the, um, the Livakovic, the, the Croatia keeper, uh, actually didn't performed much better than the, the other goalkeeper in terms of what you would expect him to save. Mm. So it wasn't just that the Japanese penalties were bad. Um, it was that he, 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 I think he saved two more Bit of both. penalties than, than Bit you of would both. expect him to. So. It's a very psychological element of the game, isn't it, Michael Bailey? It, it, it brought back to me thoughts of England in the final of the Euros <laughs> last summer. Well, they just didn't look like they believe, believed at any point when they stood up to take a penalty. Mm. They they were so poorly executed. And I guess there's a degree of experience in this. Like Croatia, 
even though the penalty takers were different, you kind of felt like they'd done this before. They'd come from behind in knockout stages at the last World Cup. They'd gone through. That's so relevant, two, isn't it? Yeah. It's like knowing you've been to a different stage before. I think the Croatia so there's a little bit of calmness there, maybe. I wonder so though the Japanese man, they must have taken penalties in in Asian Cup they or something. Did, right? yeah. They must have had like experience. There. Your whole life's built towards playing this World Cup. Really. Okay, and right. Then, so you mean from a from a personal mental perspective? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just different. It's like you see teams struggle to get through different rounds of the Champions League. So like Man City trying to go one step further each time or PSG going one step further each time. There's something psychological to it and I don't know what it is. It must run through the entire club mm. if it's a club, like even through to the ground staff or something. It must be some sort of vibe coming off you and going to my string theory thing again. Like, sure. Real Madrid as well, like constantly getting through and winning Champions Leagues even though they're maybe not playing the best football because they, 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 do, have yeah. the, they have the ability, that socio-effective ability to be like, we've been in this position before where we're mm. losing and we know we've got the players to be able to come back. This sort of self-belief, which is really important in, in football. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, Japan displayed that in the 90 minutes against uh, against Germany and against Spain, coming back uh, from, from a goal down, I think, in, on both occasions. Um, but what went wrong for them today? Would you, would you say they were on balance maybe the slightly better team in, in the in the 120 it's it's hard to judge teams like japan i think because japan are so reliant on transitional moments um and i think that because of that they will often look like they are quote unquote the better team because they will they will you know they have those exciting breaks where it looks like they're going to generate a, a big chance and i think on the basis of the chances they had they probably were slightly better than croatia on, mm. on the day I think croatia were fairly poor they're quite disappointing in a lot of respects um but yeah, if you're relying, the thing with Japan is that yes, they they play transitional football. Yes, they rely on these moments. Um, but in both of the games, both against Germany and Spain, they scored a couple of goals in 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 in, um, in, in a bit of a flurry and in moments where a lot of things have to go right in order for them to to get the goals. Um, and you're relying on those moments to sort of happen for you, and um, you don't have. The, the idea being that these other teams, both Spain and Germany, are going to dominate the possession. They're going to be able to have a greater volume of chances. Um, obviously, it didn't work out for them, but because Japan were able to get those goals um, and then and then hold on to the lead, it, it was fine. So it 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 for me it feels to me like an aesthetically and um, weighted style of play, which makes people think, oh, they you know they they have these exciting breaks, etc. But in terms of effectiveness, like I'm not entirely sure it's the the most effective way of playing in a in a tournament but I, that's obviously how underdogs often do I guess play. they beat Spain and Germany yes yes they did but again if you look back to I think that those moments the goals that they got in both of those games they were completely dominated in the first half uh, the Germany game in particular Germany should have scored two or three goals in the first half I think um, and then in Spain I think it was just a flurry of two quick goals very quickly they pressed a bit higher um, caused a little bit of problem for the for the Spanish in build up uh, and, and then got the goals one two bang bang and then were able to sit on the lead, lead as well so yeah obviously it's effective if you are play if you if you have that talent mismatch but I think that you know you're relying on a lot for it to go right every game um and sometimes it just doesn't. It felt like they could take off the shackles in those two games and just, you know, go cut loose and see what happened. And it felt like they didn't want to do that because knockout mm. football, we can't risk that. Let's, they, they always seemed to be a cautiousness to what they did today, which kept them in the game for the whole period, but didn't really. That's, I think that's by design, more. though. I think that's because Croatia just didn't give them, there was, there was no opportunity for them to do that yeah. whatsoever. And it's, again, it's not like they were lucky against Spain and Germany. Like they just, the way they were going to score was through doing this, but they'll only yeah. get certain times. The only degree of luck there was in it in that 
is that they took the chances when they got them because so many teams missed those big chances when they get like to hit them on the break. And I think like, you even see the penalties maybe was like Croatia were calm and in control mostly of that. Uh, apart from the guy who stepped up and put it on the post, <laughs> he was too calm, right? Yeah, he was too <laughs> calm. Yeah. Uh, and, and then Japan maybe just didn't quite believe because they weren't getting opportunities. Almost like they were, it was felt like they just sort of knew they weren't going to get past this. I don't know. And then the next time, neither team looked like they were really had any way of doing it. Japan relied on too much energy to go and break in behind. Asano wasn't able to get any space in behind. Right. He was on his own, isolated because Croatia were dealing with him very well. I, I, um, if it wasn't so mostly quite dull, this game, I would quite like to watch it again to see what Croatia did to try and stop that because I didn't really notice it at the time how mm. they stopped and we wanted to play in that it, transition. It's worth saying that both Spain and Germany play really aggressive football in possession as well, so they do leave themselves exposed at the back. So that is going to favour Japan as well. So. Should, should we just ban extra time? Yeah. That was like, what's the point of extra time? I don't like it anymore. I used to like it when I was, uh, when I was younger. Golden goal was good. Golden yeah. goal was never really decides good. a game, does it? No. It's just like the precursor to penalties. What do you feel about playing penalties before the game begins in case you need them? I think that's a joke scenario. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I think they trialed it, didn't they? I'm they sure they did. You know, oh, take, all the, take all the, uh, the pressure all out the of it. All the fun. And then it kind of changes the complexion of the game because what that means is if you've lost the penalties, you know that you have to go for it in the game and the other team just sits there because yeah. they know that no yeah, horrendous so. idea mm. no you should write to Arsene Wenger well, yeah sure know. have you got his address uh, FIFA it actually It'll do you know there. what uh, FIFA <laughs> headquarters FIFA. In, 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 Zurich. in Zurich it's on it's on FIFA FIFA Straza it, the, the street is called FIFA Street <laughs> if you so wrote if a letter to Arsene Wenger at the FIFA headquarters Switzerland it would get there definitely yeah, it would okay. wouldn't it alright well that doesn't need to be the barrier post people very very they know what they're doing don't mm. they they know what they're doing. I watched a really interesting... Um, what's that guy's name? Tom, the YouTuber. Jones. No, not Tom Jones. Um, her, Tom. Uh, oh, Tom Scott. Is his name Tom Scott, the YouTuber? Tom Scott. Does anyone well, know, know about Tom Scott? I'm too yeah, old. Get some nods from the production suite over there. Tom Scott, very good YouTuber. The youngsters. The youngsters. Yeah. Well, Tom Scott, I th he's a, he does sort of like a, I don't know, YouTube videos. Go and look him up. I don't care. Uh, but he makes one uh, where he goes to um, a, a mail center in uh, the United States of America. I think it's one one of only two left in, in the country where all of the mail that's like unreadable to, uh, to uh, normal uh, human eyes goes to be <laughs> sorted. Um, and it's incredible that like, the technology they use to try to decipher like the scroll of people's uh, uh, mail. This last place... Um, yeah, I like the, the last bastions of uh, the defenders and rescuers of poorly written mail. I went to the <clears> post <throat> office today to deliver some things and... I gave you could have told me I, I do. I need to send Alex Stewart a book. Still, I oh, still sorry. haven't done I, that. I would have done that for <laughs> I you. I still haven't done that. Um, they, I gave the guy my parcels, and he then had to like type the actual address into the machine, right. and he typed it wrong every time because ah. my apparently my writing is bad. Who knew? Well, so I'm knew. hoping they arrive. I knew that. Stuff. I couldn't read your handwriting either. Really? Yeah. This is exciting stuff. Hmm. You think so? Yeah. What about your handwriting? It looks like a cartoon. Yes. Yes. I expect you've got quite good handwriting, Michael Bailey. Thank you. Yeah. I, yeah, I can barely read it sometimes. Right. It looks like my dad's, but I never really understand, understood why my handwriting looks like my dad's. Mm. So that, that must be because mine looks a bit like a cross of my appearance. It's odd. Is it possible that you are living a dream in which you have had a son that is Michael Bailey, but you are your father? I mean, it's as possible as Brazil might win the world cup so <laughs> it's yes. very probable there are so many different dimensions and uh time times so croatia have been disappointing all the way through the tournament haven't they jj but i haven't really sort of 
I, I feel like they're a team going to be difficult to play against. Nobody really wants to, but at the same time, they haven't really, they haven't impressed me. But I think it's with, the, with the exception of win, continuing to win. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because they don't like John was just saying. I think it's because they don't do anything exciting, so you don't remember any exciting bits, right? Like you'll think Japan are the better team because they do the exciting stuff, and it's more fun when someone's running at great speed into space and they do something like that. But actually, they kind of do control games. They just lack a bit of speed in the final third, so yeah. they can't. They can't really penetrate like the last line, so they end up having to hook it in. Like the header pairs that scored was really good today. Yeah. That was a great goal he scored there. Um, they've got, they were fairly solid. Like Lovren, good ball playing centre back. Guardiola's is a great centre back. And the midfield three are is one of the best midfield threes in the entire tournament. They can just control the game, keep it within the way they want to play it. Nice little triangles everywhere. They overload when they're meant to. They pull back and give space for others when they need to. Really smart. But it's not Harry Pitch in the chat says uh, three penalty saves excited him. Fair enough. Three penalty saves is quite exciting, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Three, three midfielders actually play quite a Brazilian style of play. Do yeah, they? Interestingly, yeah. On, on European. Really walking that dangerous line, aren't you? I am, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to explain that? I, I just, you know, I just came so close to being cancelled. I just want to feel that adrenaline again. But, yeah. Um, just to let listeners know, I've closed your laptop so you won't know, but you, you have in fact been cancelled. So. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Don't have any nice. false confidence as you continue to speak. <laughs> uh, simply the, the, the three midfielders are, are sort of problem solving as they go along. Mm. So they, as, as JJ was saying, they, they, they're quite fluid, they're quite flexible, they're able to um, move around and, and move the ball and 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 sort of rather than having that structure there where they're going to play build-up patterns per se uh, they just know that they're both they're, they're all three of them are very good on the ball and can and can sort of yeah. solve opposition pressing as and when it comes to them so right. kind of interesting in that respect that is interesting okay fine well uh, what are we on? Japan. <laughs> I, <laughs> Japan I don't know. You closed my laptop. <laughs> oh, Michael Bailey. Michael. Oh, hello. Michael Bailey. Perisic's headed goal. <laughs> yeah. Is it the best one at the tournament so far? It's certainly the best one I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> Very <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Very I literally interesting. had a block. I was like, what were on the headed other goals. headed goals? Indeed. Mitrovic's one did snap. You oh, mentioned that, John. I was like, that, that was a great was header. Good. I mean, Perisic's header. Didn't Jude Bellingham score a headed goal in the yeah. first game? Yeah, but that was also a nice header. Good header. There was a lot of goals going over the goalkeeper in that yeah. game. So I'm, you know, a bit like. Yeah. I feel like Giroud scored one. Probably. <laughs> Let's all have a sign. <laughs> Let's think about it. Uh, yeah, but the Perisic's head is like 15 plus yards, isn't it? That's a long way I to head I actually didn't see it. What did he do? Well, well, he headed it back across goal, which is something you should do. It was, it sort of bent because you got, when you head it back across goal with power, you're able to sort of add some bend to it. He added a bit of Beckham just, to it, it. It, it. Yeah, just sort of, oh, it started outside swaz. the post and a bit of swaz on it. That's perfect. And just nestled just inside the far far corner uh, was, headed was, it down as well all of the rules he there did. was a really nice angle from behind where you can see it starting outside the post and then mm, and then curling in which is wow. nice, yeah. Yeah. a curled header did the pundits love it john i can't remember right. <laughs> to be honest but i yeah. loved it i thought it was nice but i still think i prefer the mitrovic one because everything in that goal was just perfect um, yeah okay oh, mitchell, mitchell duke scored first yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. that was a good yeah. one yes that was a very good header not got seb here to that's true. I saw uh, not to, not as a criticism of the podcast. I think we're doing a fine job, apart from uh, potentially destroying the entire, entire brand and your career. Uh, doing a fine <laughs> job, but I do miss Seb. Yeah, calming presence, isn't he? He'd have talked about Mitchell Duke as well. Yeah, so. he. If anyone here, he's the one I would have thought would have got in trouble for loving <laughs> colonization. You know. <laughs> 
<laughs> just because of his history as a you know privately educated man and the kind of, he's watching at home by the way hi seb we miss you here we miss you yeah um speaking of japan uh we're not going to have the opportunity to talk about them again now they're out of the tournament uh jj uh a couple of like, very very exciting players will we see any of them or more regularly i mean basically what i mean is will i see them when i watch the premier league because i'm not cultured enough to watch anything else uh i am unsure but there's a couple who might have raised their profile i mean i think a lot of them play in Serie A and the bundesliga yeah there's a few bundesliga players here um because duan would be a name for himself i didn't really know much about him before this tournament started and he's mm. come on done really well Asano looks like a decent counter-attack and a forward. I'm not sure what level he's quite at because he is really good. Close control seems to be decent. Uh, Playing for a team who plays in the counter might be quite useful. And Ito as a a right Mm. wing back slash forward would be good in teams who play three four threes. I don't know. Endo's in the Bundesliga as well. Has been for a while. Kamada also. uh, Daichi Kamada, um, who I think will be maybe moving on this summer or even, even in January. So... Um, yeah, there's a few there's a few names that I think have have, have done well. Ritsu Duan is playing for Freiburg, which is the team I watch, and um, they brought him in from I think one of the one of the Dutch teams. I, I, I want to say PSV, but I'm, I'm not sure. But um, he has yeah, I think he's like had a really good tournament insofar as he's really shone at this level, and I think that will make a big difference because he just looked comfortable on in that sort of pressure. Well, game. is it right? Because people think though they've done well in the World Cup, so scouts have gone, "Oh, who's this guy? We'll sign him." Mm. It's not like yeah. every single scout and analyst will know who all these players are inside yeah. and out and have data for all of them. I uh, thought that um, there was some commentary about uh, uh, Guardiola uh, in one of the recent games. Um, the comment was something along the lines of, well, clubs are going to be lining up in January. Mm. And I thought, pretty sure they have been for yeah, some time. Yeah, three years. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it does give you like a little bit of an extra level of data, right? Where you can see how teams are going, that players are going to function in different sorts of teams, how they're going to adapt to to different tactical systems and yeah. stuff. So for, for me, that's what's so interesting about Doran is that he played even better than I thought he would do for this team, um, which is, I think, interesting because I watch I watch him every week. So mm. it's, it's fascinating seeing them, them sort of, these players who come out of the shells in this kind of tournament. Mm. Lovely. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I believe you watched the game with uh, with James Richardson or, or, or Jimbo of Totally Football fame. Yes. Uh, JJ Ball. And um, you got bored and asked him what he would do if he was FIFA president. <laughs> yeah, I mean, John were having fun, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> what did he say? I'm curious. Uh, he said he would make it shorter. He was joking about all of these, by the way. But he would make it shorter. No, he, he, yeah, he makes football, football shorter. Football shorter. Yeah. Not the ball. Right. I wondered what, what, what he was going to make The game shorter. shorter, he said. And he was, to be clear, he was uh, laughing with us as well. He was part of the joke. Right. Uh, he would make them 60 minutes for a game. But without a, without a stop <laughs> yeah. clock. So mm. it was just like now, but shorter. So right. just made the goals. And what did Florentino Jimbo Perez? Yeah. And we did a big talk about um, the difference between movies and Netflix series and things like that now, <laughs> and like how, you know, right. really the best things come out in uh, serialized um, episodes of things now. And they can be different yeah. lengths. Well, a lot of them are. I mean, yeah. 
There are not many good movies, and then there's talk about saves are the catalog and how the movies, movies are. This is what happens, isn't it? Well, not, people, all the pe- same. Uncultured people stop watching good things and then go, where's all the good films gone? <laughs> you just got to look harder. Well, D- listen, this guy living, living on his couch, watching his Disney uh, subscription. Nothing against Disney. They're very good, by the way. Enjoying George, it greatly. Which one of us has the masters in their film? Which was, yeah, is it? amazing, isn't it? That I'm the one who goes to the cinema, and you're the one who sits at home playing video. I do that as well. You do that as well. I do yeah, do that until well. very late. Anyway, yeah. I just don't want to hear naysayers about uh, about film. My, my point film, was film we, the premier uh, medium, as is the novel, Michael Bailey. Exactly. Yes, thank yeah. you. See, he knows how to pick up. Look, look at you go. Carry on. Well, now. I was in time. It saves the cat. There's an aside. Mm. What did James Richardson say though? Oh, offside. Offside. Yeah, Off-sides. you do like hockey rules. Apparently, hockey's Ice divided hockey, into yeah. like three thirds or something like that, and so. If the, if the ball is like... Into three thirds. That's what, is that what I said? I don't yeah, know what I said. Yeah. Yeah. So if the three ball... Three thirds, just, incredible. Just thirds would be fine. Well, <laughs> yes, but I'm adding words and to be edited later. So the ball, if the ball were to go into the, the last third, say someone punts it from the first third into the last third, and then someone really fast ran onto that, uh, or they could even start here, could they? I can't remember what the rule is. You, been you, the ball. So basically, you're not. <laughs> also, can I just say, JJ Ball breaking the hair rule huh, for the audio listener. <laughs> he said he would never do it. No. He said he was too much of a professional to do it, John McKenzie. But he did it. He said I here, didn't say that at and all. then he gave up explaining. <laughs> what is that doesn't matter. You said it with your eyes. I think go, go on, I'm Jeff, led to believe that in ice hockey. The ball has to go into the final third before any of the uh, players. Well, the puck, the puck, obviously. Um, so before in, any of the players, yeah. Do. So, so you all have to be out of the final third. So the idea oh. then is that in football, you would, the ball would have to be played into the final third, and then everyone could go in. But then, if it was cleared out, everyone, including defenders, I guess defenders are allowed. Yeah, but the, the ball gets cleared out. But then, if you're in the final third, you then all have to pile back out again and leave it empty. Can I, can I say? And listen, this might not be a popular comment with ice hockey fans, but I don't get a game. You can't see the puck. Yeah. It's hard. One of my friends uh, lives in Canada and he said to me just to, to watch it. But once he worked out where it was, then he really enjoys it. You couldn't watch that game with a headache, could you? You know, you've got to sort of really kind of do the, to see the puck. It was a headache. You know, when you have to focus and you've got a headache and your eyes hurt from focusing, you just want to, you know, you couldn't watch it with, with your hand in front of your you know, face either. You couldn't watch it with your hand Which in front of your face. I think it's terrible, terrible sport. I agree. Yeah. yeah. You can watch it if you're underwater. What's mm. the set? What's the, what's the second best sport, Michael Bailey? In, in the world behind football just for you that your second favorite i should say um i do like it's my issue is like <laughs> this is the answer you want uh, my issue is there are only if like sports like fishing that i don't like i genuinely like all sports if there's a competition like on, i like to watch it well f- i mean what fishing it's like what well, you be ca- you're sport, riding the line here john you be careful when you're <laughs> talking it, about murder like, come now it's not a sport you have to throw the fish back in i guess yeah i don't know i've never been fishing right, it's all right. ignorance sure <laughs> but i i love all why oh, did gosh. you bring up fishing Which, so it's the a sport favorite? i don't like oh, right. so like i love basketball formula one uh some rugby snooker yeah, all rugby and stuff. snooker. Yeah, yeah. together. Rug, well, but if rug, if, rug if football suddenly, those two, that'd be a good game. <laughs> if football disappeared today. And you had, very to, you had to pick another sport. I'd be out of a job. I There's think lots go, of connotations. I think I'd go for that. tennis. Yeah, I love tennis. I quite like tennis. I did not think you'd say that. Mm-hmm. It's quite metronomic tennis, isn't it? It's boring. It's easy. No, I find it very easy to watch. Very, easy very to watch. boring to watch. I like the sounds the of tennis. You know, the sounds of tennis? Famous <laughs> album by <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Frank Sinatra. Yeah. The sounds of tennis. Well, Frank Sinatra playing tennis. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> Aussie rules football. Like, Here's the ball. <laughs> <laughs> What's your uh, if, if football was disappeared? If football was disappeared, <laughs> speaking of Frank Sinatra, yeah. Um, what would you uh, What would you go to next? Sport. 
uh, we're Not live, so I won't do the jokes I'd normally do. Yeah. Uh, I always thought I liked basketball, yeah. It is good. I do like basketball. Yeah, it's quite it fun. Yeah. Basketball is the sport I know the second most about. I'm telling you, I want to do that um, game of golf combined where you're allowed to tackle the other person. So you both see off at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> And then you have to get the ball in the hole as quick as you can. Foot golf, but you can't golf. Foot golf, but with fight football golf. Fight golf. Fight golf, yeah. Fight, fight golf. MM, MM golf. MMA golf. MMG. Yeah. A hole in um, one. MMG. Of your knuckles. John McKenzie, uh, if, uh, if uh, I'm going to guess for you. I feel hunting. based on hunting. <laughs> with my goblin horde. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Taking the no, no. Isengard. No, no, listen, 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 listen. If it disappeared, uh, you know, a, a nice, nice game of cricket or... No, fox hunting for fox me. Fox hunting, yeah. right, yeah. You're really <laughs> leaning into the... Uh, really. This, I actually quite like... This isn't the way I actually quite to... like curling. Curling, curling is maybe my second favourite Curling. Sport. I like well, snooker, you, but I really like curling. You were watching curling in the office the <laughs> yeah. other day when we were there. You know how you curling better? Yeah. Yeah. It was curling. Yeah. Yeah. You know how you curling better? You tackle. <laughs> <laughs> Druid man like in the curling. chat says John has gone goblin mode, I believe. That <laughs> goblin mode, yeah. That might be the case. That well, I actually find that, that phrase very offensive to... To all the goblins, the goblins, the yeah. goblin community is not happy. Okay, now see now see now what's happening. We've gone too far now. We've gone, we've we we and we pull us up and we, yeah, there it is. You feel that comfort? So curling then, yeah. curling, yeah. yeah. No, I'm done with curling now. Okay, fine. Well, in other news, um, Michael Bailey, Fernando Santos, the uh, Portugal manager, very unimpressed with uh, Ronaldo's reaction to substitution. Who'd have known Ronaldo might react poorly to being substituted? <laughs> I, he, he's becoming a. Is he? Beca- is it me? Is he becoming like a comedy villain figure? Mm. I haven't seen this incident, but I've I've seen it sort of retold, where sure. he basically sort of said, "Shut up." And right. it was, was that at the coach or I don't know? A, I haven't seen it. Was that. another South player. Korean player? Was yeah. trying to hurry him up, and he says, "You got no authority." Right. And then the the, the Portuguese coach Portuguese. was yeah. Right. So this he, is, mu- he might is, not have the captaincy in the next game. I don't know. All all, all is off the well, table. There's a story in a dead evolving as well, right? This is yeah. this is a game that they don't. He doesn't even need to be. You'd feasibly just rest him up. Well, listen, the stakes are very high for Cristiano Ronaldo because, of course, he is now unattached, and well. there is a story emerging uh, uh, today about where. He might be attached to, to uh, you know, in the, in the in the coming days. We don't know yet, but um, very interesting stuff, isn't it? Mm. But the whole scenario around that there was it the first goal against which which wasn't his against Uruguay. I mean, oh where, yes, where the one the that ball didn't, didn't touch his head. Touch that him, yeah. just summed up so much of the current situation. It was no, just everything was about him claiming that goal constantly mm. for the rest of the game. It's yes. like wow, just as a as a sort of a character opening in my personal view and opinion sure. that's like wow here's a question uh john mckenzie you'll have played a lot of, of football um uh, uh, perhaps i should ask a man with hair though because it was a, a heading issue um presumably you know when you've headed the ball like in, in that situation with ronaldo he claims the goal i can understand why that why that would happen from i think time you to get time. close enough to the top of your head it, that you would feel like you touched it but you haven't really you would feel like it's on your hair maybe. The wind, the, the, which is why i said the, the wind the, the, of the, the ball the i thing. did used to have hair you know sure 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 but uh, some time ago you might not <laughs> you might not remember that far back i don't yes, know yes i've completely forgotten the experience of having hair okay right. no, but i mean you, i'm just wondering if it, if it I, as someone who's never nearly headed a goal before i think you can sort of feel it on your hair a little bit and it would feel like Especially, maybe he just thinks he has. I mean, I think there's, there's... I feel like whenever the ball hit my head, 
and I'd, I'd go, that actually really hurts. And like, how did the footballers do that all the time? It, it's a speech from across, and it's a little flick, so it's across mm. him, so you'd feel like you have... And he may have simply felt the wind that the, the, wind that the, the ball. ball carried with it. No, there you go. That is something you would know about. That is something you would know about. There but yeah, um, Adidas obviously said that he didn't. Sorry, I'm, that was funny. Um, Adidas, <laughs> Adidas put out uh, like a, a, a heartbeat of the ball, didn't they? When and uh, it didn't yes, have did. a, it a flat line yeah. as Ronaldo touched it. By it's interesting that it, Adidas did that, and I guess Cristiano Ronaldo is a Nike advert. Sure. Uh, little Nike advert. He is basically a walking Nike advert, mm. which I thought was interesting. Just sort of, am I allowed to say that? I don't so know. That's interesting, yeah. isn't yeah, it? I think that's you know, fine. The ball was dead. Yeah. There we go. Carry on. Well, I think we should probably play Points of Bad now. We've come to that time. Now, Michael Bailey, uh, you don't have a oh, role here. Is, I'm dead to this part. I don't I? want you to feel um, disincentivized to uh, join in the conversation. But, but um, you don't have a role. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. But what your role could be, yes. to really help me out there, oh, yeah? would be to just let me know what the games tomorrow are. Because what I've done is not written them in. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, there are there are some wonderful games. Well, if you look that up, tomorrow. I'll tell the gang in I'm, the background what's happened today. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. Now, sorry. I'm last today. I I racked up an impressive six points from two games because, uh, of course, I picked up two predicting a 1-1 Japan-Croatia. But I also thought that Brazil would only beat Korea Republic by 1-0, and they didn't. Yeah, so I picked up four points. Uh, that was a tragic one for me. In second to last place, it's John McKenzie. Four points today. John, you picked up three on that Brazil game. Um Seb Stafford Blore, commiserations. You are second today with three points. And today's winner uh, is JJ, I'm not trying, Bull. <laughs> there he goes. And we'll come back to the grand totals, the new grand totals, a little bit later after Michael Bailey tells me what the games are tomorrow. Yes, Joe, we have a fantastic lineup of World Cup games mm. tomorrow. We have at three o'clock, that is British. GMT don't talk, time. Don't talk about British time. GMT time. Yes. I was trying to, you know, it wasn't the summertime, it was the <laughs> other one. At three o'clock on that time, it is Morocco playing Spain. Spain won their oh. group, whichever group that was. And that Morocco are game. really good. I really like Morocco. Yes, that's exciting. So that's a game. And that's happening at one of the stadiums. Yes. Education City Stadium. Oh. We're all in for a football lesson there. Oh. And then at seven o'clock, uh, Greenwich, Greenwich of the medium time, uh, we have have Portugal playing Switzerland. Oh, um, that's, a, that's a tough yeah, one, isn't it? That's, that's a tough one right there. That's at the Lusale iconic stadium. Okay, fine. Well, Michael Bailey, thank you very Don't much for that. Part. No, now, that's... I will be going first as the loser for today, and I will say that Morocco, Spain, 2-1 Morocco. I like it. Hello! The game has begun, John McKenzie, and we're afoot. It is your turn to predict for Morocco, um, Spain, please. 2-1 Spain. 2-1 Spain. And okay. Uh, Seb Stafford-Bloor is to go next. And he did text me his predictions. I did wonder, uh, Seb, because of course he has not missed an episode yet, whether he would remember to send me his predictions. But of course, good old trusty Seb doesn't forget a thing. Sometimes to an extent when it's kind of annoying. Uh, he says 1-2 Spain. He can't have that. Can't have that, can he? But he's also said 1-1. So we'll give him... That now, JJ Ball, 2-1 Spain is taken, 2-1 Morocco is taken, 1-1 one, one is taken. What do you think? I want 2-1 Spain, I'm going to go for 2-0 to Spain. You're going to go for 2-0 yes. to Spain. You predict Morocco not to score. I like Morocco, though. Okay, indeed. Okay, that's a good point. Indeed. Spain did not win the group, did they? Mm, Japan no. won the group. That's correct. Sorry about that. 
That is correct. How could you? And and nobody noticed except you. So you've redeemed yourself. There we go. I didn't see the chat. Now, Portugal versus Switzerland. I'm going to go for 2-1 Switzerland. I really think Switzerland, tough team to play. Uh, Having said that, you know, maybe we uh, discussed the possibility of uh, Portugal playing without Ronaldo already. and, And I have heard that they're better. Uh, better team, I don't know, but I'm going to go with two. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with my gut. Two one Switzerland. Uh, John McKenzie, you're next up. What do you think? One one. One one. Okay. Seb Stafford Bloor has asked for one one. Cannot have that. Has asked for one nil Portugal, which he can have. Now JJ Ball the Bullard, what say you? One nil Portugal's going. Uh, okay, I'll go for nil uh, nil. You think nil nil? Yeah. That is. That is a request. That is a request. Okay, fine. Now, we forgot to listen to the uh, Points of Bad song, so let's do that now, just before I tell you the grand totals. Michael Bailey, you've got some headphones on the floor. There, oh. You can pick those up. Oh, I love this song. Yeah. I don't have any headphones, do John, I? you, you, no, you can off. share headphones. Yeah. No, 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 the podcast hasn't finished yet. What? Your podcast not finished yet. Sit back down. There's one more little thing we've got to do after this. There you go. You can is share. Is it panned? And now we can not listen critically. to the song from Jamie. You're making me nervous with that bend in that. There we go. The points are bad. Uh, song reimagined there by uh, Ban Summers. Thank you, Ban Summers, for that. Now, listen, I'll tell you the grand totals. So far, as of day 16, we have a new loser. It's me. Oh. You, you were the loser before. Oh. Yeah. But I'm the loser now with 121 points. Just ahead of me on 120 is John McKenzie. And tied in first place. On 115 points is Seb Stafford-Bloor and J.J. Ball. Now, six points between first and last. That's very, very small. Yeah, you were second uh, yesterday, J.J. Seb's been first for a couple of days now. You guys have no idea. It's almost as though you don't care about the game. I I know he says he's not trying, but I thought you were trying. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm trying. Mind games. You're not trying. Okay, fine. Uh, one last thing to tell the podcast before we go today. We oh, are six off you. I just realised. Hmm. Yeah, so six points. Oh, yeah, it's only six points in it. It's real. It's a real tight affair. Clutch. Yeah. Clutch. Exactly. Exactly, Michael Buddy. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, listen, before we go today, we asked the live chat at the beginning of the episode, if you remember, what's the best World Cup song? And uh, uh, the the answer is Wacka Wacka. said the Shakira song. That was for South Africa, wasn't it? I hear that all the time on the internet. Very good, isn't it? (laughs) It's really good, yeah. Yeah, football's coming home. No. Nearly in there. Nobody liked the Dario G song. It's the best. Well, because everyone's not born in a time to... People aren't born. That's the best one. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. Listen to that one. There we go. And now as uh, JJ uh, does the air drums for the rest of the episode, emphasis on the air... Yeah, look at him go. There we go. Uh, we will say goodbye. Goodbye, JJ Bull. See you later. Goodbye. Dan. Goodbye, John McKenzie. 
Take care. Goodbye, Michael Bailey. Bye. And thanks, as usual, uh, to Don and Jamie in the production suite over there. We'll be back tomorrow with more and with another special guest. But until then, ta-ra. See you later. Bye-bye-bye-bye-bye.